Almighty Father, as we come now uh, to consider uh, your, your word, your scriptures, this story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet and uh, commanding them to wash one another's feet, um, we ask that you would open us up uh, to precisely what it is that you want to teach us. And in particular, will you do whatever is necessary in us to get us from a place where we are most fundamentally committed to serving ourselves to a place where we are deeply, deeply ready, equipped, willing, able, eager uh, to serve one another. And that's a transformation that sounds simple, but a miracle. So we start in prayer. We ask you to pray. We ask you to do a miracle among us. And we ask you to do that even now. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. And uh, it's helpful if you would keep the service sheets. Um, so mostly we're going to be on page 10. Uh, we will, however, reference the reading we all read together on page 7. The, that's from Philippians. We'll, we'll, um, <clears throat> we don't necessarily have to read that together, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll allude to it. What we're doing over these... Uh, over the autumn, we're walking through a portion of the Gospel of John. Uh, we're beginning in John uh, chapter 13, where we're at today. We're going to continue through John chapter 17 over the course of the next few months. And, and every week, we're asking, in a sense, well, we're asking the same question. And here's the question. Uh, Jesus, what kind of culture do you want for us here at Emmanuel Church? Um, we all know that uh, every group of people has a culture that, that defines them, shapes them, unites them, uh, makes them distinctly them. Every organization has an organizational culture. Every church has a culture. And so what we want to know is, Jesus, what kind of culture do you want in this church? And last week, we were looking at this same story. And we said that Jesus wants us to be a culture of cleansing, and uh, part of what that means is that uh, Jesus wants every one of us to be deeply open to being cleansed thoroughly by Jesus. What does that mean? Well, it means um, uh, just like Jesus went around and washed the disciples' feet, every one of us is to be continually uh, washed from our, our, our sins, our secrets, our scandals, our shame. We all have those things, and Jesus offers this cleansing, this renewing from the inside out. And so we need to be a culture that's just eager, like Peter is eager, uh, Lord, wash me thoroughly. Uh, that was last week. Uh, but this week, we pick up just in the very next breath. You, you can't uh, uh, disconnect the culture of cleansing from the culture we need to talk about today. And the culture that we need to talk about today is that Jesus wants to build us into a culture marked by serving. Serving. Because what happens is, when we deeply internalize Jesus' cleansing, healing, restoring work for us, it naturally tutors us, trains us, forms us to be a people who desire to serve each other. Part of what that means is that it'll shape us as a church to be a culture 
whose high ambition, whose just big dream that really excites us is that um, we will want to be a people who just give our lives away, who, who spend our lives on others, and in particular, we will be a people who want to serve other people who don't really deserve it, who for a variety of reasons don't deserve it. We'll want to serve them. Uh, another way to say it, most simply, is Jesus wants us to be a culture of foot washers. And it's a really uh, demanding, remarkable command that Jesus gives us here. But it's also beautiful. Just think for a moment. You know, think about your friends who don't go to church, uh, who, are, um, who are very suspicious of Jesus, very suspicious of Christianity. Just imagine for a moment that when they thought about Christians, church, Jesus, imagine that their first association connotation, the first thing that came to their mind, just, I mean, you, you know what it might be. It might be, might be positive things, it might be negative things, but just imagine that the first thing that came to their mind would be, wow, those Christians, they're, they kind of believe some odd things that I don't quite understand, but i got to give this for them. They give away their lives for the benefit of others. They give away their lives self-sacrificially, especially for those people who don't really deserve it, and that's a little odd, but it's kind of compelling too. Wouldn't it be great if that's what came to people's mind when they thought about Emmanuel. And that's what Jesus wants. He says, you got to wash each other's feet. That's what Jesus wants, and that's what he demands. So let's look at the story. Uh, I want to show you three things. Uh, Jesus gives us a promise and a model and a motive. A promise, a model, and a motive for becoming a culture of service. First of all, the promise. Um, set the scene real quick. Uh, we already read it, but um, set the scene. What happens is this is a moment where Jesus knows that in a few hours he's going, a few hours, he's going to be uh, betrayed, arrested, and killed. And therefore, he knows that he doesn't have time just to kind of mess around. He's very focused right now on what matters the most to him. And as he's eating dinner with the disciples, he gets up and he does something that was just unthinkable for the disciples. He starts going around, and one by one, he starts washing each person's feet. Now, I say that that was unthinkable in that culture because uh, that was an honor-shame culture. And uh, high-status status people never uh, washed other people's feet. But here's Jesus uh, acting more like a slave than a teacher or a lord or a master or a king. And that's part of Jesus' point because Jesus implicitly is saying here, listen, um, God, it ends up as God is not interested in tyrant kings. He is very impressed, however, with servant kings. That's who Jesus came to be. But then look at the story. On ver in verse 14, after Jesus washes the disciples' feet, he says, basically, hey guys, I've just washed your feet. Now, if I'm your king, if I'm your lord, if I'm your teacher, then you should do this same thing to each other. You should wash one another's feet, which is extraordinarily unthinkably demanding for the disciples. But right at verse 17, Jesus gives a promise. Look at it. Verse 17, last line. Jesus says, if you know these things... You are blessed if you do them. 
you're blessed. Okay, now here's what I want you to see, Emmanuel. We're only going to be a culture really deeply connected to serving one another if, if we believe deep down in our souls that uh, giving away our lives for other peoples, and especially for people who don't deserve it, that that is the best path to real blessing, fulfillment, success, glory, joy. Insert your word for the good life. Giving away your life is the only way to true blessing, joy, fulfillment. Do you believe that? Um, the disciples didn't believe that. And we know that because in the Gospel of Luke, which is another account of Jesus' life, um, Luke tells the story of this same dinner. We think it was the same dinner. And at this dinner that Luke describes, there's a debate right here at the same table. The disciples get into a debate with each other. And do you know what they were debating? They were debating which of them was the best, the greatest, the winner. As Jesus was washing their feet, they were debating, at least in their hearts, they were debating which one of them deserved most honor over and against the others. Now, part of the reason that that's what was always going on in their hearts is that deep down, they believed that the quickest way uh, to blessing was to be the leader of all the other ones, to, to try to get the other disciples to serve them rather than, rather than any other path. They believed that they would be most blessed in life, their life would be in its best form, when they were most served by other people rather than giving away their lives. Now, when you imagine them debating about who's the best, it's, you know, you look at them and you're like, you guys are being petty. And it's easy for us to roll our eyes and kind of go, oh, those silly disciples, they always do the wrong thing, which is true. But look at your own heart. Are you different? Do a thought experiment with me. Um, think about, imagine your best life. Imagine the version of your life where there's no disappointment, where everything works and everything's awesome, okay? You got it? It might be about your career, it might be about your relationships, whatever it might be. Think about it. Now, here's my question. Is that mental picture of your best life without any disappointment, is that mental picture mostly a story about you giving away your life freely for other people and hardly being acknowledged for it? Or is it really a picture of everybody around you looking at you, admiring you, and thinking, man, look at that person. Wow, honoring you, following you on Instagram or whatever platform you want to be followed on. Which one is it? Now, if you're like most people, it's the second one, kind of. I mean, I know it's probably not quite like that, but kind of. But Jesus comes to us and says, if you're going to follow me, actually, that's a false path to real blessing. The greater path, the path you must follow me on, says Jesus, is the path to this generous giving away of self by washing other people's feet, by becoming a servant. That that's the path to real fulfillment, real success, and real joy, giving away your life. 
Um, you, you, we all know that uh, John McCain died this last week, and there's been a lot of talk about that. Um, and, uh, and in his farewell letter, it was, it was really interesting that he, he said this. He says, our identities and sense of worth are not circumscribed, but rather enlarged by serving good causes bigger than ourselves. And my guess is that even whatever you might think of McCain's politics, and it, most people would kind of read that and kind of go, well, I think that probably makes sense. But what Jesus does is he comes and he takes that and he expands it infinitely. And he says, I am the God of all the universe and I, my path to glory, my path to honor, my path, to being the name above every name was by giving myself away entirely for people who didn't deserve it. And he looks at us followers and he says, that is your path to joy, blessing, fulfillment as well. It's a path of blessing. But now I can imagine somebody coming back and saying, okay, well, that sounds odd, but what do you even mean? What does it mean to live a life of service? Well, Jesus gives us a model. Um, the whole point of this story is Jesus is giving us an example. And so he says, um, after washing their feet, he goes, I want you to wash each other's feet as well. And if you want to learn how to be a servant, Jesus looks at all of us and says, watch me. So look at Jesus washing feet, and I will, I'll point out three things. First of all, he leaves his place of honor. Secondly, he embraces the identity of a servant. And thirdly, he points his disciples to his own death. And that's how we are to be a servant. First of all, he leaves his place of honor. Verse 4, Jesus is at the head of the table. He's the leader. He's the teacher. Um, he's the master. He's the Lord. But then he stands up and symbolically takes his place of dignity and all the entitlement that is associated with it, and he sets that aside for a moment. And that's crucial. Um, the reading from Philippians picks up the same thing. It says this. Have this mind amongst yourselves that Jesus had. Though Jesus was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, held on to. Or in our translation, he didn't use it to his own advantage. Yeah, that's the first step in becoming a servant. The point is, here's Jesus, fully God. Nobody in the universe deserves more dignity than Jesus does. Nobody in the universe desire, uh, deserves more honor and has more power than Jesus has in this moment. But the question is, what does Jesus do with that power, honor, entitlement? Does he hold on to it? Now that I've got it, I'm not going to give it away. Does he need it real bad? No. Jesus remarkably shows his great power, not by grasping onto it and insisting upon it, but rather he, he gets up from the table, he leaves his place of honor, and he does not insist upon his entitlements in that moment. And that's the first characteristic of a culture of serving. I can never be a servant as long as I'm grasping on to my dignity as I think I deserve it. There has to be a willingness to let go of my entitlements. Let me give you an example. One example is money. 
um, you know, it, it's natural for us to grasp onto our money, right? I, I mean, I earned it by very nature of how we get money in this uh, economy. I earned it. It's mine. I can use it the way I choose, right? That makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, but, but when Jesus comes and he says, all right, well, hang on. Let me ask you a question about your money. When you're grasping onto your money, it's as if Jesus says, um, does that money re really belong to you? Or are you being possessed by that money? And then Jesus says, what if you used that money, rather than grasping onto it, whether, what, about, what if you used that money as a way of washing the feet of others? What if you were to open up, even though you're in one sense entitled to that money, what if you opened up and began to give generously and even courageously? And then Jesus says, that is how your money will become a greater blessing to you and to others. It's just an example, but voluntary Christian giving is a way of washing other people's feet with money. It takes our finances and makes them instruments of a culture of service towards each other. Now, that was just one example, but look at your life and consider what kind of entitlements are you grasping onto that Jesus is just kind of tapping on your fist and saying, why don't you open that up a little bit? All right. First of all, Jesus, uh, he lets go of his place of honor and entitlement. But then secondly, he takes to himself, he embraces an identity as a servant. In our reading, he changes clothing. Did you notice that? And he puts on the uniform of a slave. Uh, in Philippians, the reading from Philippians, it says Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Now, here's my question. Why in the world would Jesus willingly take the form of a servant? Why would he take that identity? He could have, all the identities were available. Why that one? Take a look at the reading in John. Look at verse 3. Look at what was on Jesus' mind when he did this. Verse 3 says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. Now, that's crucial. Look at that. Consider. Just consider what this means. Jesus in this moment and at this dinner was actively thinking about how, in a remarkable way that we don't entirely understand, God the Father had given everything to Jesus as a gift. Jesus was actively thinking about the fact that God the Father had given everything that God the Father has to Jesus Christ. There had just been this remarkable gift. Jesus was the beneficiary of a gift from his Father that included all things. Now, that's mind-blowing, and it brings up all kinds of questions, and ask those questions later. But just imagine, get into the story, and imagine how secure Jesus was in that moment. He had everything. Think about how confident he was in that moment. He had everything that was possible to possess. And he had received it all from his father. Now, one of the things that that means is that in that moment, Jesus didn't have to earn anything. J Jesus didn't have to prove anything. He already had it. 
And that means that in a, he was free in that moment in a way that is extraordinarily difficult for any of us to grasp. We've never, none of us have ever been free like Jesus in that moment was free and confident and secure. And you know what that freedom allows him to do? That freedom, confidence, security, it allows him not to grasp, but to give. Why does he take the identity of his servant? Because the father had given him everything. And now he looks back to the father who's given him everything. And he says, Father, I love you so much. I will love you by using everything you've just given me for the benefit of the people whom you love, even though they don't deserve it. I, you've given me everything. I give everything back to you. And I use it for the people whom you love. I give it away. The point is, a culture of serving has nothing to do with insecurity. It has nothing to do with being a doormat. It has nothing to do with low self-esteem. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's the opposite. It is what it looks like when we are deeply secure in who we are in Christ. It came out of Christ's own security and confidence in his Father. And for us, it's the natural response of receiving everything that we receive from Jesus himself. Now, how do, we, how, do we, how do we take the form of a servant? How do we take on that identity? You know the, one of the great things to do? Practice. Just practice. Um, one of the things uh, we do here at Emmanuel is we partner with Hope for New York uh, to do service projects around the city. We uh, serve at the Bailey Holt House. We serve uh, at the Women's Bowery, and we're going to be um, looking for new ways that we can serve as a church. One of the reasons we do this is to give us, as a community, opportunities to try it out, to practice serving, to practice giving away your time, your resources, your skills, just your person to other people. Think about practicing this identity as a servant. So Jesus sets aside his entitlements and his dignity. And secondly, he embraces an identity as a servant. And then finally, Jesus points his disciples to the cross. That's, that's what, when Jesus is washing the feet of the disciples, that's what he's doing. Now, when Jesus is serving his disciples and washing their feet, on the one hand, it's doing something very, very practical for them, right? Their, their feet were dirty. You know, they were They were stinky. They needed to be washed. He was serving them in that way. But it had a meaning that was deeper than that. There was the practical gift, but then underneath there was a deeper significance. And that deeper significance is that Jesus was getting them ready for the meaning of his death. He was pointing them to his own death when he would wash uh, them from their sin, their scandal, their shame. And that's the pattern of a culture of service in the church. On the one hand, we do very practical things for each other. Serving often means just doing very practical things that have, sometimes that don't have no overt religious content to it. It may or may not. But as a culture of service, we do these practical things for each other. But then underneath, there's this deeper meaning. 
The deeper meaning is, means, on the one hand, we're motivated to do these acts of service for each other. On the one hand, because we have received everything from Jesus. Jesus received everything from his Father. If you're a Christian, you have received everything that Jesus is from himself. He's given you everything in giving you a title to heaven and an identity as the child of God. He's given you everything. And therefore, just like Christ gave everything back to his Father in service, we give everything that we are back to Christ by serving others. But on the other hand, there's also part of the meaning is we want to continually point people to Jesus. When we serve each other, there's a way in which our deep prayer is, Lord, use this act of service so that somehow your cross, your death and your resurrection and all the blessings of salvation might become more vivid to the person whom I'm serving. And then sometimes we get to even go further and we get to verbally open our mouth and describe the beauty of Jesus Christ to the person whom we're serving. We call that evangelism, but really all it is is washing the feet of someone else by describing the beauty of Jesus Christ. And so part of the culture of service is we have to ask ourselves this question. Are you describing the beauty of Jesus Christ to people in your life here and outside this church? Are you looking for ways to serve other people because you have been so served by Christ and because you want to point other people to Jesus? Consider those questions. And as you think through those questions, you'll see just how demanding this is. It means all that we are in all of our relationships, we're asking, Jesus, show me how I can give my life away like you have given your life to me. And if that begins to feel daunting... And a little bit, oh dear, I'm overwhelmed. Then good, that probably means you're listening. But on the other hand, take great heart. Take heart. Because part of the gift that Jesus gave you when he gave his life for you is he purchased the Holy Spirit for you. And one of the things, when we come to him and we say, Jesus, I want to be a servant, but you know what? When I look at my heart, I'm not a servant. I'm pretty still selfish. Help! Then what he does is he says, oh, I love to answer that prayer. And he imparts his Holy Spirit. Who His Holy Spirit comes into our lives and begins like a sculpture to, to shape and form our hearts until it begins to resemble Jesus' heart in greater measure. And as our heart begins to be uh, resemble Jesus in greater measure, we find that we desire what Jesus desires. And then we get to be creative. Then we get to look around us and see need and say, Jesus, show me how I can begin to serve there. Show me what my gifts are and how I can serve in greater ways. Show me because he's given us an ambition, a holy ambition to give away our lives for the sake of others. Let's pray. Almighty Father, when we look at your Son, Jesus Christ, whom uh, we, we take to be uh, fully God and fully human, when we see him washing the feet of the disciples, when we see him washing not just their feet but our feet, 
and then looking at us and saying, do to others as I have done to you. When we think about that for just a moment, it overwhelms us. And so we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to rest upon every one of us here. And that, Holy Spirit, will you make the cross of Jesus Christ vivid to us? Will you grant us again, or maybe for the first time, to see how Jesus Christ has done everything necessary for us to become the beneficiaries of eternal joy, salvation, glory, blessing, honor, in fellowship with God the Father? Will you grant us to see that kindness to us when we wanted nothing to do with him? And will you make the cross of Christ and that grace so vivid to us that it would overturn our hearts and that it would make us more aware and more desirous to serve other people than even our desire to be served? That takes a miracle. Will you please do the work? Amen.